President Trump is going to write trans people out of existence or something. I don't know what the what the freak out is. Right. Transgender could be defined out of existence under Trump administration, reads the New York Times headline. And I remember my girlfriend sent me the headline and was just like, guess who said this? And I was like, BuzzFeed? Like, HuffPost? I don't know. But of course, it's our comrades in the New York Times. Comrades? <laughs> Those counter-revolutionaries. Yeah. So they got their hands on some document from the Department of Health and Human Services. The New York Times reporting the Trump administration wants to legally define transgender out of existence by officially recognizing only a person's gender at birth, regardless of physical changes or how they choose to be identified. So Caitlin would still be Bruce to the U.S. government. This is just the latest attack on several Obama policies that expanded protections against sex discrimination to cover gender identity in areas like housing, education, and the military. What Obama basically did was write these, like, dear colleague letters that gave some kind of guidance with respect to what to do in the case of transgender students, but did not really change regulations. I suppose this, like, this has been part, like, what the left feels like is being lost with the Trump administration, but really there's no, it wasn't a gain at all. Right. The political gains of the so-called transgender tipping point were, like, Obama's smiling acceptance. Caitlyn Jenner getting on the cover of Vogue, or Vanity Fair, sorry. She I wishes. I on my bookshelf. She <laughs> fucking wishes. Okay, Vogue is, like, anybody can get on Vogue. I'll get on Vogue. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great for the podcast. It'll be great for podcasts. It would be really good for the podcast. <laughs> I was watching Queer Eye. And one of the episodes is with someone who is undergoing a transition. They just had their top surgery. And one of the things they want to do is change the gender marker on their driver's license. So they have to go down to the DMV and they have to show they are undergoing a transition, which includes showing some kind of medical document that they've had a procedure. And so I know that this is dependent on like state by state. I think this changes depending on where you are. But nonetheless, right, like it's still the state, right, that was never, it was never done away with. It's still the state making certain decisions about your gender. In Illinois, it's very similar. In order to change your sex marker on a driver's license, you need to provide some kind of note from a doctor. I think it could be a, a psychologist or a counselor that just says, like, this person needs to change their gender marker. In order to change it on your birth certificate you need to have some kind of operation and this has been the case for in in most states uh since before and after the obama administration like that's been the the process mm -hmm. since these terms were even developed right uh which like i won't go into now but if you want to know more about <laughs> that you can read my article transgender liberation a movement whose time has passed which was just published in the pr this this month the new pr yeah. number 111 mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right but right i mean like you can't escape it though right because what we're talking about here are like state recognized categories uh, and so, like, there's a little bit of confusion here. There's kind of like losing the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. Like, is the fight to just continue to beg the state to please be kind to people that are not identifiable as male or female? 
Or is it a problem that people that identify with something else have to ask the state for the recognition of their right to exist within medical communities, etc.? Even asking the state is like a, a polite way to put it because it's not necessarily asking the state via lobbying your local congresspeople or seeking to get some kind of absolute federal recognition of trans people in any meaningful way, rather just for the executive branch, the president, to be able to have the power to wave his hand and say yay or nay. Yeah, I mean, there's no, like, there's no, uh, like, apparatus through which to even make sense of the question of the relationship between, like, movements for sexual freedom and the state. Whereas in the past, like, the Socialist Party could be that mediating role. Today, there isn't really, like, a mass independent party trying to, like, take state power at an international level for a socialist revolution. So the whole question is just kind of, it's very <laughs> abstract, um, <laughs> which might explain the less confusion. David, do you think if there was a mass socialist party that millennials would be having sex? I don't know. Probably still not. <laughs> probably not. But maybe the post-millennials could have sex. Yeah, post-millennials. Or like, yeah. maybe they could have sex with the millennials. Oh yeah, like Maoist uh, re-education. Oh <laughs> uh, no. No, no. The only way out is through, guys. Come the on. only way out is through. <laughs> Platypus Says Episode 12 comes to you in two segments. After last year's federal elections, the right-wing alternative for Deutschland remains the largest opposition party within the Bundestag. First, we sit down with Frankfurt member Dorna Darabi, who reports on the anti-IFD protest in Berlin that saw over 150,000 participants. Dorna tells us about the quote-unquote anti-racist position of the rally and the criticism of the protest by the anti-fascist left. Then I sit down with Stefan and Betuel at the Platypus Coffee Break at Freie University to discuss the current divisions within the left party, Die Linke, the decline of the Social Democrats and the renewed interest in the Green Party. It's a very German episode. We even sneak in the clips from Joshka Fisher and Angela Merkel. Stay tuned. Yeah, it was like a big protest today, but it was actually a lot less talking or like a lot less trying to convince people because everyone already there was like convinced this is good, this is anti-AFD, so it, it's right, we're already on the right track. Okay. And we're already on the right side, you know? Why did it happen now? So there was a big 
um, thing happening in Chemnitz where a lot of like right-wing and also pro-AFD people attacked a refugee and um, yeah on some grounds that he had like attacked a German person whatever and so there was like a big like witch hunt in Chemnitz yeah and um, it was all over the media yeah and yeah and like the German police and um, also the German Verfassungsschutz which is like the kind of like secret um, police it was very clear that they were like pro AFD and like pro that they were right wing I mean you wouldn't have actually as a leftist you don't expect anything else but like there was a big outcry in the liberal media about this. This is the moment where the German state remained silent and, you know, just, just like watched and let it happen and let the mob attack like um, the, the, like the refugee. And also there were some like right wing people who attacked Jewish places. This came out afterwards. Uh -huh. so, and then also, yeah. wasn't there some police uh, staff member that was Suspected of having right-wing leanings? And yes, he yes. Was he was like... He canned, was, right? Yeah, it was Maaßen. He was actually the chief um, like officer of the Verfassungsschutz in Germany. Okay. And he was let go. He was dismissed. Why? But then, actually, afterwards, he was like promoted to a higher position like as a state secretary person in Germany. So And why was he let go? The way that he was monitoring like the situation was very pro AFD and very pro right wing and he kind of underestimated it and said like oh yeah there is no way that could have been a right wing uh, mob like attacking the person but actually it was okay. so it was very clear that he was biased um i mean this kind of demonstration already happened in hamburg mm. um and there was like i think 70,000 people attending there and today it was like 150,000 people approximately mm -hmm. wow. um so it was like one of the biggest i think in like in a while yeah in like a while it was like yeah one of the biggest demonstrations so they were just like saying like we have to stand against anti-muslim racism anti-semitism uh, homophobia blah 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 and they were just enlisting these like identity group um, issues mm -hmm. and um, actually among the German left, the anti-Deutsch left, over the past year there has been like um, debate around this issue of like Islam, Islamism, anti-Semitism and so I find this concept of like anti-Muslim racism very problematic and I don't think there is such a thing because anti-Muslim race it's not like an issue of race like it's mm -hmm. like a issue of like religion and like this religion also being political but also like of um i mean obviously there is like xenophobia here in germany but it it's not like because these people are muslim i don't think like you can narrow it down on this issue but yeah. anti-racism politics is kind of like the now has become like the sort of the term to yeah. bring everything under like sort of brexit has also been reduced to racism of yeah. course and the anti-refugee, the way that people try to explain it is through like racism. That's sort of very common. But it has been narrowed down in Germany, especially here, to like anti-Muslim racism. It's like a own category. So what these people did at this demonstration today, they also invited like bigger organizations that are close to like, the Muslim Brotherhood, but also to the Iranian regime, like Zentralrat der Muslime, um, Islamische Gemeinde, IGS and like other organizations that were like the first people to sign up for it in advance mm -hmm. and to be like, yeah, we spoke? need to go there. And it was interesting. No, I mean, I, d I didn't see it because it was like a very big demonstration. I mean, I was at this like 
queer, you know, wagon, like, walk, the segment, yeah, yeah, the people. segment, like, with queer people, it had the best music, so, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Britney, okay, I'm in. <laughs> so, what was the activity, like, Yeah, the activity, for us, we just, like, drank and danced. At by the, walking down yeah, the street. by walking down the street, and for me, it was like, I couldn't, obviously, I mean, I couldn't take it that seriously. I think it, it was important Nonetheless, and it was, I mean, still for me as a leftist that takes issue with these concepts and like with also the concept of, you just said, anti-racism and so on, like this kind of pseudo-politics, it was still, somehow there's this feeling like it was still, so this is kind of where I have like this internal, like, you know, um, turmoil. Ambivalence. Ambivalence within myself because it was kind of good to see that there are so many people coming there like even though they're more liberal but it was still like okay you're coming here and you're you might not be aware like they don't know what like queer feminism or like you know anti-muslim racism these concepts i don't like i didn't have like the sense like talking to some people that they really like knew these concepts or really had thought them through or were in any way like politically organized but I saw was like mostly students also very um, young people like from school coming there they might not be aware for what kind of agenda or whatever they're like kind of pulled here Um, well they're resisting right yeah there was a lot of talk yeah there was a lot of the time there was like talk of like resistance politics Mm -hmm. and one guy came up to me and he gave me this like pamphlet and he said like we want to um, start like a mass um, movement um, that is anti-capitalist and he gave me like this there was this listing on his like you know like anti-capitalist and like eco-friendly blah 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 and like a lot of fear ish- yeah fear. yeah exactly <laughs> kind of like this but he was like serious about it he was like mm-hmm. yeah we will meet like there and there they already had like the date and everything and he was like it was kind Do of you know like, what organization he used they want to like it's not an organization, but they called it resistance, and I took issue with that and explained to him kind of like <laughs> this concept of resistance and why it's problematic and why this category is like not political. Um, and why is the category not political? Because it's kind of like you react to like you know to a certain like liberal or whatever politics. You're already like already the left is in a position that's always reacting. You when you look at the Die Linke, you know, in where I, the part of Germany where, where I live, there's actually an upcoming election because it's mm. like a federal, you know, yeah. state. And, um, and when you look at the signs, it's like always like, oh, gegen rechts, against the right. Mm-hmm. And like this kind of narrative that you also see at, you know, uh, like other, in other states. And it's kind of like the left has given up its own issues, uh, its own agenda. And it's always like fight the right, you mm. know, and they always, but what's like interesting that they still like get a lot of people against this because now in Germany there is like this big thing like the AFD. Mm-hmm. So they like completely shift their focus from like the other parties and from the SPD and so on, which they used to criticize. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And now it's like only the AFD and fight them. And so it was like, and what was like for me was very, very interesting was like, um, because, I mean, they invited these Islamist organizations, for example. Yeah. It was kind of like the left seems to be like kind of like prioritizing now to fight against the the right here, like the AFD, but not against 
political Islam, which is also the right. Like, they don't have this global view. Like, if you really want to fight the right, right, and if you, like, really mean this in a serious way, you also have to fight, like... Islamism, these, you mean? Yeah, Islamism and political Islamic organizations. And you can't just say, okay, for now I do this, and then later on I will, like... It's, like, kind oh. of like Stalinist politics. Yeah. It's, like, you know... First, I will take my national, you know, this kind of like in this kind of narrow view, I, f I will first tackle the national, my own national right wing. I think right it's wing. probably worse than yeah. that. I think it's just that, okay, now this is the lowest common denominator for attacking the right is that they're all racist. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was right. And it's just like the white people that, you know, need to be told that these brown people right, are okay. Right, right. We'll just invite all of the uh, organizations that represent the brown people or something. Right, right, right. And these are like the people right. that are speaking for right. the brown people. Right. And so here's the stage. What organizations were there? What kind of... You were talking about these cultural organizations? Culture, yeah. It was like Amnesty International was there. And then... Um, but the, also the Green Party, Left Party, SPD, I saw all of them. And then it was like this queer section where I was at. Um, and then also like these, like, leftist sects, like MLPD, you know, Maoist Which is what? organization, Maoist uh, organization, Marxistisch-Leninistische Partei Deutschland. Marxist-Leninistische Partei yes, 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 as far as I know, I hope that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> what about the, you said that there were defenders of, like, the Islamic culture there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. They were invited. I didn't see them. It was, like, a very big demonstration, and so I was, yeah. like, I, I just saw a few, like, wagons, like, from Die Linke and so on, but they were also invited, like, the Zentralrat der Muslime, which is, like, a very big, and which has, like, ties to, like, there were organizations that definitely had ties to Erdogan and also to, um, to the Muslim Brotherhood, definitely, and also to the Iranian regime. I'm sure Marx 21 was there too. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, they were there, right, right. They, they were, brought these people yes. onto their own Yes, yes, as well. yes, 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 yes. It's kind of corresponding, or it adds up to this like narrative that they have, like, you know, Aufstehen uh, gegen Rassismus, stand up against racism, and then they stand up against racism with these organizations, mm -hmm. you know, hand in hand with like the. And these are actually the most. They are. They aren't even that representative of the Muslim society living here because they are actually the most radical, you know, kind of um, radical, right most wing. radical right wing organizations here that are not like if you want to claim to represent civil society here and you want to also have like Muslim, you know, organizations, mm -hmm. whatever. You don't invite these organizations. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. these are like the most radical organizations. Yeah. Uh... Interesting. Meaning, I was just sort of thinking, I was like, oh, I guess there was this kind of like protest was like the real thing where the anti Deutsch just would not show up. They didn't show up. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. Because then, but then this is the interesting thing is because. Right, they didn't show up. No, no, no. No, no. And the anti Deutsch, they actually, um, there was planned to be like a counter demonstration or, mm -hmm. you know, an anti demonstration against this demonstration. Right. Against this, like, it was called Untalba. So the this big demonstration was called Untalba, which is indivisible. Like, Human rights are indivisible. Uh -huh. So that was kind of the um, slogan. And there was planned to be a counter demonstration against this because they um, had invited these Islamist uh -huh. reactionary or they are reactionary organizations and they're right in their criticism, but it's kind of like the left is torn between like their fight against 
you know, political Islam or Islamism and mm -hmm. the fight against, you know, racism or whatever you want to like the fight against the AFD right now, you know? And actually it would be like, no, both are right wing and you have to realize like on both sides there are so many problematic assumptions and so many problematic concepts like the concept that I just said, like anti-Muslim racism is one, for example. But the other, on the other side, on the anti-Dutch side, it's kind of like, okay, but you're downplaying the AFD. I mean, they're like the second strongest force right now in the um, Bundestag. Uh, they're like the biggest opposition party. And if there w was an election right now, they would be the second strongest um, party. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that happened in Chemnitz and other places, it's like kind of like, you know, it's it has been kind of building up to this point. I mean, there was so many, there are so many um, refugee uh, asylum, you know, places that were like burning, they yeah. were burned down yeah. in East Germany. Yeah. And this has like, this is unprecedented in German history. I mean, it was the case in the 1990s, yeah, in the 90s. but it's, yeah, but now it's well, people like... People are terrified yeah. because it feels like German society is like cracking at the, at the seams or something. Yeah. Um, that's sort of one, I mean, one of, when the Chemnitz thing started, I felt like some people who had been former, like, Antifa people were so sort of terrified by the situation that they were, like, sort of even yeah. entertaining the idea of the need to, like, revitalize the Antifa yeah. Yeah. in Germany because yeah. of Chemnitz. Yeah. So it's definitely going to have an effect on the left. It's definitely yeah. having an effect on the left. Uh, so it's very, it's, it's something sort of to continue watching and paying attention to. Yeah, but it's definitely... I mean, it's kind of like shifting the focus away from like also criticizing. I mean, obviously you can criticize the AFD for being right wing. I don't want to like downplay it, but it's kind of shifting the focus away from like criticizing the new crumbling neoliberal politics of like Merkel and other like established parties and also criticizing the left. And that's kind of like all shifted right now. That's kind of like the... They're criticizing the symptom, yeah. not the cause. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're criticizing well, the symptom. Or I mean, if people are political, they should just be thinking about the change in German politics through the election. And, like, what does it mean that there's this new oppositional force? What's going to happen to the SPD? Uh, you know, like, is it going to... Like, is Delinka ever going to be anything other than what it is? Meaning, like, people need to think strategically and politically about the elections as opposed to making it into, aren't the racists in Germany awful? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't we be behind the brown people? And then in the other camp, there's a counter protest that's like, hey guys, but these guys are also right wing. It's like, you know, the whole thing, even though it's in the terms of politics, is not political, yeah. really. Yeah. Like, Germany supposedly is the place of stability, right? Like, even though we have a crisis of neoliberalism, Germany is supposed to be relatively stable. And so what happens here politically is quite important. But I don't know if people are thinking in that way. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm, I'm not sure if they are. I mean, there is this one um, initiative it's coming from Sarah Wagenknecht and this kind of... Um, Same way, she is. Yeah, she's like one of the political leaders of Die Linke, but she's like very controversial because she said like there should be like um, a limited number of refugees coming. And it's, so she didn't support this demonstration today because she said it was completely naive and, you know, um, completely removed from this world to say that all refugees are welcome and we should take in just all refugees. So she's kind of this, for today's standards, she's like the social democrat and she wants to revive social democracy. 
and she wants to have like she wants this, to win back the AFD to, voters who were yes. working class people who went to the AFD yes. and says we have to win them back with the strategy for the left yes and she's yes. the one person willing to say things in order to win back those working class exactly. votes and she wants to revive the SPD to be quite frankly I mean what what it means to say she's a social democrat actually is like with her her view of Die Linke and what this project like this founding this party and what it means is kind of like revive social democracy but also so it means for her revive the SPD because she wants to be in a strategic um, bündnis and a kind of like she wants to build a new coalition, she coalition wants, she exactly coalition. with Die Linke and the Green Party and the SPD. So yeah. they want yeah, mm -hmm. and actually right. this is a new movement yeah. that she's launching. What's yeah. really interesting, yeah, she has launched this new movement and she has got a lot of shit from the rest of the party and yeah. also because of her you know anti kind of refugee positions before. Yeah. Um, And she was like called to be like a right-wing person and to be like a AFD sympathizer. But actually what she wants is not that all different from what the rest of the party, Die Linke, wants. Like Katja Kipping, she's also actually, it's like very explicit and it's there. She's also in this um, institute that for years, and it's very open and it's very clear and it's very transparent, that for years has wanted this coalition with the uh -huh. SPD and the Greens. So it's kind of like you both actually want the same thing, but you disagree on certain issues because Katja Kipping for, you know, I, I think for reasons of popularity and also for reasons of just being, you know, a leftist. And it's, you know, it's like a left principle to say all refugees are welcome. So she says this and Sarah Wagner says something. Exactly. But actually both of them want the same thing. And Zagabarkis, yeah, has launched this new initiative with other SPD and Green people, mm -hmm. like party people, but also people outside who are supporting it. Like, did you talk to anyone at the protest about this? No, I. There was low. It was like very loud and <laughs> music and beer. Music and beer. Yeah, yeah. So the Linka is a mess. There's the, the bit of disintegration of of the Linka that's happening, and right people are not really talking about this. Not talking about this at the protest that relates to these issues is like a bad sign. But thank you so much, Dorna. Thank you, Dorna. <laughs> Bye. politician who emerged from East Germany after the fall of the Berlin Wall to become a defining figure across Europe. For Merkel's critics, she was also a leader who imposed stringent austerity measures to stem the Greek financial crisis. But for many liberals on either side of the Atlantic, she was the face of a humanitarian solution to the mass waves of refugees and migrants who flooded from Syria and North Africa in 2015. At home, though, the rise of the far-right AFD, Alternative for Deutschland, and the collapse in vote share of the main parties ate away at her command. Für uns 
Celebrations there at results parties for the Progressive Greens and for the far-right AFD, both benefiting as voters abandoned Mrs Merkel's Christian Democrats and their coalition partners, the Social Democrats, for more emotive, ideological alternatives. Merkel appeared visibly shaken as she announced her decision to step down. It has always been my wish and intent to carry out my state and party duties with dignity and one day also to leave them with dignity. At the same time, I know that in politics things do not always go as planned. is Angela Merkel stepping down. What what does this mean now? Supposedly Germany was the steady hand. Does this change things? Well, certainly it does. It's a signal that Angela Merkel is sending out that she is aware of the crisis in well in Germany as well and that she tries to address this crisis and so this change can actually even be thought of some sort of stability that she tries to establish again. Yes, I think so too, because there has been discomfort with the political situation in Germany for quite some years now. And especially in the media discourse, discussion has not really stopped about if there should be a re-election, if, uh, if this would be best for Germany if it was what the people wanted. Mm -hmm. And um, the regional elections in Hesse as well as Bavaria have showed a decline in voter turnout for SPD as well as CDU. Each lost more than 10% of their voters in the right. regional mm -hmm. elections, at least in Hesse. I don't know the exact numbers for Bavaria right now. And the idea of Merkel doing an intervention into this critical situation, as Betul said, that she wants to signal that she's stepping down, especially as head of the party, CDU, mm -hmm. to provide a possibility for change in the party itself, which I think is intended to help to avoid re-elections. So mm -hmm. the, I think she wants the government to stay until 2021 but also wants to start possibilities for transformation inside her party. Um, Dorna brought up whether or not there could be a new coalition formed, red-green red coalition with SPD and Delinka and the Green Party. So is this, I mean, is this just all posturing or like why Delinka is thinking about this strategically? The idea of a red-red-green coalition has been around for I think around 10 years by now and there were several possibilities for such coalitions uh, to happen and one of the first models for it was indeed Hess some years ago uh, Hess some years ago and um, it did not work because there are infights between mostly Die Linke and the SPD because Die Linke is in part a split of the SPD and also the Green Party is transitioning for some years now from its rather leftish, seemingly radical um, tradition to a more conservative, liberal, ecological approach. And this transformation 
has continued over the last year. So the Greens are moving more and more away from the party they once were, which I think closes down the possibility of such a coalition more over the years. Why it seems for me very, it seems to me a more fictional model. Now for a clip with Joshka Fisher, who sat down this week with the Financial Times to talk about the potential he sees within the Green Party. Fisher was a radical of the 1960s, a street-fighting man who then later served as a foreign minister and as vice-chancellor of Germany in the cabinet of Gerhard Schroeder from 1998 to 2005. Let's talk about the Greens. Uh, you must be pleased as uh, one of the, the the first people in the, the Green Party who took, took uh, big jobs in Germany starting in the 1980s, I think, when you were sworn in as environment minister uh, in one of the, the states, wearing your sports shoes, your trainers. And that, that caused a, a bit of a fuss. Do you remember that? Yeah, I can't forget it. That was just a time when the Greens seemed to be coming very left field. People were quite surprised at this more relaxed style, this irreverent style of politics. And there have been ups and downs. You've, uh, you ended up as, as foreign minister, indeed, in the coalition. Where do you think the Greens sit now and what are the opportunities ahead of them? First of all, I think uh, the Greens uh, are, were very successful in Bavaria and Hessen and uh, are doing brilliantly in the national uh, polls. The Greens moved uh, into the centre, but the Green issues, Take, for example, climate change. Climate change would change everything. People realize more and more that it will get serious and we need answers. And most importantly, in the national polls, the green answers to these challenges are extremely well received, uh, far beyond the core electorate of the Greens. Thirdly, we had a successful uh, generational change in the party, a new young leadership, uh, uh, and we had overcome our old conflicts between the different party wings, left and right. So the party is doing well. And if you look at the results, um, there couldn't even be a red-red-green coalition because they didn't even have the majority. It is not a possibility at all. But I still think they they use it as an idea mostly to agitate people. If I'm correct, um, red, red, green is missing one seat from the majority. So uh, they could not be the majority, but it was uh, there was the possibility at least. So a small uh, small change in percentage would have provided the possibility for such a coalition. Well, I asked because you know I was thinking about what kind of strategic political questions are presented today and Tara Wagner come out with this stern uh, warning that if the Linke continues to alienate their old working class base by supporting this open door policy for refugees that it will end up in disaster and she's been critiqued by her party and it's created a lot of division within the Linke. Um, but I guess the strategic question that she was taking up in that position was how do you win back these voters that are now open to more right-wing populist ideas. Yes, and um, Katja Kipping, um, also of d for example, presents the idea that they are not interested in this kind of voters, but that they needed to recruit new voters 
to their party and transform the party into a project which is more or less small reforms as well as an ideological hegemony, whatever this is supposed to mean in a discourse about culture, immigration and mm -hmm. racism. Mm -hmm. But some years ago, the questions of why the link should even enter such a coalition, I think were much more concrete and more on point because the conflicts were more open and were more openly discussed. Why now it comes down to a, at least in part, a culture war narrative which leaves open what really are the ends of such a coalition and how it fits into the politics over the last years which the three parties were following. Some of the Kipping tendency are accusing Wagenknecht that she wants to destroy Die Linke or at least split them and have another party project whereas Wagenknecht is clearly saying that this is not her intention that she is rather trying to address people that have been alienated by um, well by the party system that she is not only trying to address people that have been um, supporting the AfD lately but also people that consider themselves apolitical mm -hmm. so she is trying to engage a new politicization of people one important part is that the concept of what Die Linke as a party is has transformed over the last years. Um, some years ago uh, we had Christina Keindl. She's uh, in charge of, um, I think, a publication of the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation and she's an important member of Die Linke. And she was speaking about the idea of Die Linke being a collective pool for social movements and coordinating them, so to speak, while earlier Die Linke was more imagined as a pressure tactic plus, so to speak, on the SPD to mm -hmm. somehow create a viable social democratic force. Mm -hmm. Again, and this now has changed. It's more become this party of social movements, I would say. Mm -hmm. And in so but aren't they aren't they trying to pressure the SPD as um, well as gathering of social movements? Yes, they are, but I think the focus has shifted from bringing forth a new social democracy to this mm. idea of uh, mm. building up an institution for social movements of civil society. I guess mm. this is how they imagine it. Mm. But this again changed how the, how the party works. And for me, again for me, the talk about the coalition seems to be very abstract because whenever we face the possibility of such a coalition, huge differences in policies showed up and as well as the idea of what a party should be, what a state should do and so on. I asked you earlier if you thought that a re-election would be an opportunity for the SPD and you said something like you don't think the SPD would want a re-election. So why, why wouldn't the SPD want a re-election? Well, I guess first of all because they're in a downward spiral and it's obvious that they have no idea of how this came to be or at least not willing to admit it and as well have no real ideas of how to change it. Former Chancellor candidate, not of the last election but before, Per Steinbrück, also former minister in the Great Coalition, uh, said that the SPD needed a leader which should be someone like, quote, Bernie Sanders but 30 years younger. <laughs> and to me there was this idea of how does this figure into 
the history of your party over the last 20 years and a history which and we need to point this out is defended by the party in what way defended by the party the neoliberal in, reforms especially of the labor market as mm -hmm. well as welfare the, um, the laws were called hartz IV, hartz IV. They're seen as the last big project of social democracy and the SPD defends them. Mm -hmm. So they're not saying, well, this was a neoliberal cut which undermined social structures, but they were saying it was important what we did it, we have to stick to it because it was necessary. While, for example, Die Linke was uh, rallying over the last years that uh, the Hartz IV laws were the worst kind of social injustice mm -hmm. in Germany since the reunification. So, again, like this history of the party and uh, what they see, I think, as their political heritage mm -hmm. needed to be reevaluated if the party wanted to reinvent itself in a line along Bernie Sanders or Corbyn, for example. Corbyn seems much more interested in Delinka than SPD. He recently had Kipping over, and I guess he sees potential in Delinka right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, have seen potential within the Linka too, but it was 10 years ago. Mm. I mean, there was potential for such a project, and as far as I remember, lots of uh, different leftist organizations in Europe saw it that way too, but the Linka has failed to capitalize on them. And why? It's a question which would deserve a, a longer answer, but I guess most of all because they're not really, in my eyes, having a strategic discussion but have discussions over tactics so to speak because they're somehow seeing themselves as a project in everlasting transformation which should do this or that with the next uh, election cycle but they have failed to grow they're barely growing back to the numbers of voters they had then they were founded so then do you think that the Sarah Wagner and Katya Kipping division is potentially a good thing because it would help clarify Delinka's position as either a movementist party or a party with an interest in winning back voters that have voted for the right or is it just another mess on the left that's not going to clarify anything I think it's hard to tell, like time will tell, I'd say, because there is a potential of clarification, there's lots of discussion about, for example, um, to get back to the um, Sarah Wagenknecht project of Aufstehen, there are lots of people who who supported the Hartz IV uh, laws, who are supporting this project as well, so there's a question of how this is gonna split the movement or not. Like Kipping's tendency is critiquing Wagenknecht for exactly this reason, that they are um, supporting or at least working together with people who who brought about these um, neoliberal reforms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lastly, um, one of the things that Laurie mentioned in the last segment was that there's this kind of renewed energy um, at least in the Antifa uh, parts of the left and she has met people that were kind of retired Antifa activists that as a result of Chemnitz have felt like they needed to go back into activism. And do you think that recent activities will create a resurgence in Antifa circles? No, I really mm -hmm. don't think so. Over the last year we've seen the collapse of the 
uh, Antifa movement in Germany, several huge organizations have split and then regrouped, then dissolved themselves again. And while some years ago um, they were leading parts of uh, the left in Germany, they are now, I think, marginal. They're like a cultural phenomenon, which some people are glad that Antifa exists in opposition to hardcore Nazis. But to me, this is not a political project to, to take seriously, to be honest. And I think this is also the problem with the transformation of Die Linke itself, because the split as it presents itself now, I think you can see a split in each party. Um, but the splits which there were there and the lines of discussion 10 years ago, I think were more political and more interesting than they are right now. But I think this is not only a problem of Die Linke, but in Die Linke we can see the degeneration of the discussion on the left itself and the loss of any perspective for a real strategy on how to change society. But maybe I, w I would say that the kipping tendency is seeing potential on the Antifa revival because they are basing lots of their um, politics on anti-racism, anti-fascism, and they're trying to get together just lots of people who are against this or that. So they see a positive chance. Yeah, maybe. I read that in 2016 at a Leipzig meeting of Die Linke, there was this anti-fascist quote-unquote initiative that uh, was to throw a chocolate cake at uh, yeah. Zara Wagner's <laughs> face. Uh, it seems kind of like a perfect, um, I don't know, microcosm of the way that people aren't able to seize a political opportunity, right? So this woman has these positions in refugees, is like critiquing part of her party and the response is to not turn it into a moment where there's clarification of what the Linka is and what it's not, but it's a moment for like an activist like Dada uh, action, um, which, you know. Yeah, and, um, but I mean the Linka is also favoring anti-fascist actions or, uh, or initiatives or whatever because yeah, a, people clapped for that guy. Yeah, be because a a lot of the people from the collapsed Antifa scene went into the Linke mm -hmm. because they needed an outlet for their energy and their activism mm -hmm. too. And so, um, what was uh, considered the post-autonomous movement, or for example, the interventionist left, has moved much closer to the Linke, mm -hmm. and lots of their members are also uh, paid or funded by the Linke, which I think is like a very material connection and uh, regroupment of these different uh, parts of the, of the left. Mm -hmm. And this is why the party now is paying more attention to initiatives just like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for talking. Thanks for having sure. us. Yeah, more coffee? <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>
if Berlin goes down, Paris goes up, and so on. That's not the reality. Berlin and Paris are extremely important, both of them. Start. 